This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my buddy Nate Tice. Nate, how are you? Doing great. You know, like different things really trigger like how like the season feels. And I think this week having a Thursday game and a couple Saturday games, like not just one a but Saturday two, game. I was like, oh yeah, it's winter. It's it's Christmas is roaring. Like it's coming down the pipeline. <laughs> that was like also it's just like yeah, it's just like a, a an effect that it has on me, like a Pavlov's dogs kind of thing. And uh, also just like the thing, it's also maybe look up like blackout rules when like for TV rights when I was a kid because that's like the high school and college. That's why they can now show it on Saturdays. It's because they can't do that when college football is in the regular season. Well, or that's something. why it was so weird because the Clemson Notre Dame game is going on. So yeah. I had people tweeting about the NFL and college at the same time. That was really strange. Also, I've been in Miami for the last month and I have no idea how cold it is in the rest of America. So I'm watching the game at Lambeau on Saturday. I'm like, what time of year is it? I was just sitting outside by the pool and now they're just freezing cold. I'm not very used to that. So the time aspect of this was very confusing, but we just wrapped up week 15. We have a very jam-packed show to get to oh yeah the jets won a football game we will absolutely be talking about that (laughs) we're gonna do a little something different today with how we're outlining the show we'll get to that a little bit later i just think with all the playoff implications sometimes you have to take care of that and we're gonna get off of our normal outline but shouldn't be a huge issue we're gonna get to some of the things that the bears did on offense because i think it's time we finally have to start talking about that (laughs) before we do any of that though let's talk about the chiefs and the saints Biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion, a matchup of maybe the two best rosters in the entire NFL, and it lived up to it. It was a really entertaining game. It was a fun game. It ended up being a close game. The final Mm -hmm. score was a little closer than I think the gameplay would lead you to believe. My takeaway from this game, and, and I'll listen to yours in a second, I was upset that Breeze wasn't healthy. Because when I watched that game, I saw a Saints defense that gave the Chiefs as much trouble as any defense really can. I believe the Chiefs had 13 possessions. They punted on six of them. Mm -hmm. When you're playing against the Chiefs, you're hoping to steal two possessions, Mm. three possessions, not seven. There were seven possessions they didn't score on. They averaged 5.5 yards per play. They're averaging 6.6 on the season. They averaged 5.3 in the Super Bowl. So this is the type of game where the defensive performance that the Saints had should have put them in position to possibly win this game. But especially in the first half, you could just tell Drew Brees wasn't right. He's not feeling good. Well, obviously some of the just physical stuff is there, but some of the decisions he was making, it was a bizarre game. So that's my takeaway is that the Saints on paper at full strength are good enough to give this Chiefs team a run, but the Saints, the way they looked today, just don't have that sort of firepower. Did you feel similar? What were your overall takeaways from the game? Yeah, the Chiefs did what you almost don't want to see what a defense could do to take away your offense, and they were running two-man. It's because they're not scared of Breeze yes. running the ball, and they're also saying, oh, no one's going to win. Like You can't have a guy that's going to win consistently against this route. It's not just two-man, but they're running other man variations, but there was a lot of two-man, and we saw Jared Cook late in the game run a nice little inbreaker that he won on, but like uh, it was the Saints do have that uh, like if there is a blueprint I don't think there is a blueprint to stop the Chiefs but they're able to rush for or create some like simulated looks 
uh, where they're rushing four and five, where they're able to get some pressure and make Mahomes hold onto the ball and create maybe just be his own worst enemy at times where he is trying to create and then create his own pressure and create a sack. You know, Trey Hendrickson, who's had a great year, by the way, I like, I need to watch a little bit more of him because had another great, great game today. And he was just getting after Mahomes over, over and over and over. He's got a weird aesthetic, by the way. I think like you'd appreciate it. He almost looks like a long snapper. Like he's got the he long doesn't have sl- his gloves. No gloves. He long gloves. Sleeves. Yep. I noticed the no gloves today. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a look. It's a choice, and it's a one that I absolutely respect. <laughs> you, you can usually tell who the long snapper is on the team because they – no gloves, first off. But then, especially when there's no sleeves on, they'll have no accessories. Like on the Madden, where they didn't choose an option like for any armbands or wristbands. So that's how you know exactly who the long snapper <laughs> is on the team. Then they're wearing like a 40 number. But anyways, like – the Chiefs are they're Michael Myers. Like you, they got the safety at the end of the half, and it's felt just like, oh, why do you got to make it hard on yourselves again? Because then they come out of the half, and the Chiefs like this. The drive coming out of the half was just beautiful. Like they adjusted. You can see that they adjusted at halftime because what they they saw what the Saints were giving them with the two high stuff. They're create. They're just running the ball. They're running little pick routes to Kelsey, and they're just. And then also when they had some man answers or it needed to have some man answers, Mahomes found the crossing rounds. He found Watkins, I think, on one. And this is the drive that ended, by the way, with an absolutely insane sprint out throw going to his left by Mahomes in the back corner of the end zone. Like this whole entire drive was just like gorgeous and just epitomized what the Chiefs are. Just the coaching to change, and then Mahomes just taking advantage of what is presented in front of him. I thought there were so many plays today that his greatness just yeah. took over. And that's almost encouraging if you're a defense trying to play against them. The fact that they had to do so much stuff out of structure yeah. and pull so many plays out of their ass, I think speaks to the performance defensively that the Chief, that the Saints had. I keep calling the seat the chain that I, I keep on trying to say chains and every single time it's, it's after midnight on the east coast if you can give me a break i uh, the chains game was very entertaining so i think that if you look at the structure of the saints defense it was similar to what the chiefs were trying to do a lot of man coverage underneath and a lot of two high safeties and i thought that the most encouraging part of the saints performance on defense wasn't even necessarily the game plan it was the attitude yeah. I just loved how physical they were being underneath, it just getting in guys' faces. I mean, at, there were plays where, I mean, Malcolm Jenkins was right in Kelsey's grill, where it, you had Mark, Marshawn Lattimore with his hand in Tyreek Hill's hip pocket. That was happening all game, and Mahomes was just having to make really impressive things happen out of structure. There was the one play, I think, that you pointed it out. It was the, I think it was third and nine early in the game. Oh, yeah. And... Cameron Jordan was doing everything in his power to keep Mahomes in the pocket. And he did this all game. He did a very good job of maintaining wide, wide, wide. He just kept getting (laughs) and he did. And he eventually did let him escape to his right. But Mahomes somehow slips back inside, steps up and finds Watkins on third and nine. And those are the plays they had to consistently make because, Mm -hmm. like you said, they were able to get pressure with four. They were able to disrupt things enough with how physical they were being on the outside. And at a certain point, it's Mahomes and it's little tiny wrinkles. Like the touchdown to Tyreek Hill, for example. They're playing man down there. Yeah. They, they sent him in that little yo-yo motion. And Lattimore is on him in the slot. And you can see Lattimore slip after the second change of direction. And it's like that slow motion, oh shit. Yeah. Where it's like, there's, I'm, there's no way I'm getting back. So, And those are the tiny little edges they create. But at the same time, I think this is the game where you saw their mortality. 
Because if there was a better offense on the other side of the ball, I absolutely think they could lose this game because there were so many opportunities left on the field by the Saints in the first half. That leads me to my next question, though. Is there any team in the league with the defense that can do what the Saints did today against them and an offense that can take advantage? And I don't know what the answer to that question (laughs) is. I don't think there is. I think that the Saints defense is the best option and the best chance to slow them down like this and to create those opportunities and create those missed possessions that the Chiefs just don't normally have. Their offense is not in position to slam the door when the Chiefs leave it open. And that's the biggest question. Is there going to be a team that can put it together on both sides of the ball? And we haven't seen it, but I do think that today is encouraging if you're trying to find a way to finally put Michael Myers down for good. If there's a team out there that possibly could, I think today is a good indication that this is a team that can be slowed down if you have the right guys on that side of the ball. And I maybe thought that a team that was more steady Eddie, like the Saints, where it is they have the high floor on offense with their run game and Breeze being Mr. Efficient. Of course, Michael Thomas being out does matter, but you know, that's what they have Drew Brees has to be hitting 70% to make that passing game work if, with how they want to do it because they are limited down the field. And maybe it's not the steady Eddie that can get after the Chiefs. It's the dice throws. And again, I think it still is. What's the, it's the Bills. I mean, it's that's the team. It's those on the AFC side. That's the team. It's the ones that just can just, you know, maybe hit those dice throws, hit five of them in a row and take advantage of any mistakes because the Chiefs keep making mistakes, but no one can fully, fully take advantage of them. And yeah, that's what a team's going to need to to be after team. I mean, the Saints at one point were averaging six yards a pass, and the Chiefs were adding four, four and a half yards a pass. I mean, if that's and you're still not winning the game, they were down ten at that point, and you're still not winning the game when that's happening. I mean, that's that's tough sledding. There were a couple of just bizarre decisions by Breeze in that game. I mean, yeah. the lollipop interception on the left sideline. I'm so confused about what that was. He threw the ball into triple coverage to Jared Cook at one point in the end zone. There was another ball he threw down the left sideline that was into a bunch of traffic. It just felt like he was not right. And I'm not sure if he's going to get there by the end of the year. And this is a conversation I had with Lindsay on Thursday's show. It's a shame because I would love to see this team at full strength. And I would love to have seen what they could have been if he were healthy and playing all year and they could get rolling a little bit because the defense does have it. Yeah. And maybe by the end of the season, they're still going to make the playoffs even if they don't get the number one seed. Maybe by the end of the season, they are complete and they can make a run. They can go and beat the Packers and Lambeau, something like yeah. that. But right now, it just doesn't look like their offense is there. Is there anything else you want to talk about from this game? Any plays, anything that jumped out to you, anything that you did not want to leave on the table before we move on? Man, it it's just unbelievable. We keep, I, This is like the third time now I've mentioned the Chiefs in a four-minute drill passing the ball just because they can. Yeah. Like, and, and again... I noticed she, that at the end of the game. Tony, and Ro, Tony was pointing that out too. He did. He essentially was like, they... They know they can, so why wouldn't they? They can. Like they and it's not just a simple naked, like I've seen the Rams do it a bunch, but they run a naked because they're like, okay, because we're gonna make sure Goff can only do so much, good or bad. And so <laughs> but what the Chiefs do it, they're like, no, we're gonna run our RPOs, we're just gonna go down the field. You know, let's run a hank, let's just run our stuff. And um, yeah, well, Mahomes is gonna make it work. But yeah, it's it's the Chiefs are they're a juggernaut and it's it's kind of it's fun how they do it. It's fun to watch a team like this succeed and just having this freewheeling offense uh, that's just aggressive and coming at you and just always attacking in a defense that matches that aggressiveness. It's a fun team. Are you a little bit worried at all about the state of their offensive line if Schwartz doesn't come back healthy? 
Or do you think that this is just a different sort of beast in dealing with that Saints front? It's the best front in the league. I mean, I think that with Bud Dupree hurt and with the the difference with the Saints and the Steelers, in my opinion, is that the Saints can bring four. The Steelers consistently bring five on purpose to create one-on-ones in the pass rush game. The Saints don't have to do that. They have guys that can collapse the pocket, games, everything else. So I feel like if the... Chiefs front is going to be exposed. It's against this team. It's never going to be worse than it was today. We have to look at what AFC teams have a blueprint where they can rush for and play coverage where they're going to make Mahomes be patient or the Chiefs be patient and have to do what they had to do in the second half, creating the Mahomes having to create a little bit more and having to run the ball. And not, you know, Le'Veon Bell did have a nice game, but that leaves the teams like the Colts that can do that. And other, you know, those are the teams that there is not a blueprint because the Chiefs can still win, even like not having, they're not having pitched like the, they haven't thrown just their best game yet. Like they are still waiting for that, you know, 92 pitch outing, complete game outing. Like they are just still getting out in the sixth inning. And like as a pitcher, like that, that's what is so scary. And they've only lost one game this year. So it's, it's phenomenal what they are doing. So I do not want to take away from the Chiefs. I, I, I can't wait to keep watching this team, but I'm curious if they are going to keep shooting themselves in the foot because that's what's going to happen is there's going to be a team that can only rush forward, that can create enough on offense, that can take advantage of it, and that's going to be what happens. Do you think that the Colts blueprint, just the Colts general schematic yeah. philosophy on defense, the fact that they're I don't know how to describe it. Simple and passive seem like derogatory terms. And I always use those (laughs) when I talk about the Colts because they play so much zone. Do you feel like having a physical man coverage in your face approach is the best way to do this? Or do you think that if you play the amount of zone, even if it's very that the Colts do, there's still a way to slow them down if you're still getting pressure with four? I think the number one key is getting pressure with four. Because I think if you... Okay, that's the number one. Okay. Yep, that is number one before anything. And then you get into it, whether man and bringing five. And, and yeah, that becomes a whole thing. But I think bringing pressure with four and some version of coverage that, you know, could create some turnovers where you can take advantage and score touchdowns against them. Just that. Just that. That's all you have to do. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all. As long as you can <laughs> just get all. pressure with four, that's all. But that's but I think that that's a good a good thing to point out. Because the Colts are the other team that can do that consistently. I mean, they yeah. their pass rush has showed a lot of juice today. They're healthy in that area now. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing to kind of remember as we're thinking about and trying to compile these teams that we think can beat them in the playoffs. All right. Yeah. Instead of going to who won the week, let's get to Vince right now. What the hell's going on out here? Uh, Nate, the Rams lost to the Jets today. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That was... Uh... That was not a glitch. That was not a glitch on my game pass. That was not what I thought it was. That was that was another Ven- uh, Venom symbiote coming after me in the witching hour because I'm like, no way am I actually watching this game. I thought I was not going to watch one minute of this game, and now I'm watching the entire like second half of this <laughs> this game. Gosh dang it. This was supposed to be an easy morning slate of games. <laughs> so... And the second half, it felt like, all right, you know, they're coming back. This is inevitable. They'll end up winning. Yeah. Cam Akers scores a touchdown. Looks like that the door is shut. Yeah. The punt this return is, was, that was when I was like, oh, then they're going to score. They had a yeah, punt return yeah, pass. Exactly. They're going to score. That's it. Exactly. It felt after the Woods touchdown. I was like, all right, you know, I'm doing planning for what I'm going to write. It's like, <laughs> okay, well, they could lose, but are they really going to lose? That was the conversation and just the overall tone of it. And then penalty after yep. penalty uh-huh. and then it happens so there are a couple of things we need to hit here one 
the Jets winning this game is a potential franchise-altering moment. <laughs> like, that's real. That's absolutely real. Big branching point here. This it's, is this is a multiverse moment. Multiverse moment right here. And I don't, I don't want to put too much on this because we've seen guys that were supposed to be the second coming, like Trevor Lawrence's, end yeah. up becoming not that. And we've seen guys that were the third or fourth quarterback picked in classes become the best one. And Josh Allen is the best quarterback from that class right now. I mean, he is playing yeah. the best of that group, and he was not the first quarterback taken in that class, obviously. It's probably a different consideration with Lawrence than it was for pretty much every other quarterback prospect that's come along in a while. But it's possible to be okay if you're the Jets. If you get Justin Fields, whoever the second quarterback is, and you build around him and you have all these assets, it's not over. But this is disheartening if you're a Jets fan, to say the least. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, and Jags fans, we're, uh, you know, we might not be doing it this week, winners of the week, but Jags fans are the big winners, right? <laughs> They're, oh my God, you can just hear a big scream out of, of Jacksonville as all the uh, Jets fans transplants down to Florida and, you know, whatever's left in Jacksonville, whatever goodwill they have right now. But how, how about like Sam Darnold today? Like my baby boy, like he. <laughs> He had a free, he had some plays that were like flashy of flash, just creating stuff so with his legs. So slippery. Oh, so man. slippery. He ducked out of like three or four Donald sacks that should have happened. So I'm looking back at the 2011 standings yeah. when luck was coming into the draft. Okay. And so the Rams also were two and 14 that year. So it seemed like the margins were also very slim. I was going to ask you if you can remember another moment where winning a game swung somebody's fortunes like this or potentially swung their fortunes like this. I guess I'd have to think about what the actual interplay was during that 2011 season. But I can't remember as a football watcher a game, a winning a game meaning this much to a team in a bad way. Yeah, I mean, I would have to think of like, you know... <sighs> I can't remember what happened in like the 97 season for the 98 draft, you know, with, with Leaf and Manning, you know, that's like the other one I, I'm trying to like, but just even think then it was a coin flip, right? Even then it was like, oh, well, if you don't get Manning, you'll get Ryan Leaf. It just, people were like, it wasn't that big of a deal, which I is know, hilarious man. now. <laughs> yeah, it is actually, yeah, no, no big deal. We'll just get the other one. But even I, the in the moment, I think that there was a debate. Now I don't think that there's a debate. I mean, yeah. Lawrence is the guy and now you don't get the guy. And I know it's this will be the worst that it is, this moment right now, unless Trevor, Trevor Lawrence becomes some undeniable transcendent quarterback and whoever they get at number two can't even play. That will be the only other time this gets worse than it is in this moment. But right now, I know a lot of Jets fans, and I just... As someone who also has been in a place where he's kind of rooting against his team right now because all I care about is the draft <laughs> in the future, watching your team win a game in those moments is not always enjoyable and for the Jets is as bad as it possibly could get. So the on the flip side of this, does this make you feel differently about the Rams? This is a tough moment for you. As someone bad. who has been just banging the Rams drum the entire year and even before the season, uh, I don't want to put too much on this because these games happen but they've happened to the Rams a couple different times this year. And that's the problem. Goff, I think, had the second worst EPA per dropback in the NFL this, this week among quarterbacks. Drew Locke was the only person who was worse. And those are the moments that give you pause about this Rams team is that they can look great. They can have games like they did against New England last week. But there are always these stinkers looming. And when you get after Goff and you're making him uncomfortable, they just can't play a style 
where they're doing something outside of their comfort zone. When he's having to make plays and they're having to do things in a reactionary way, they really struggle. And I think you saw that again today. Where like the Chiefs are like Michael Myers and and they're coming after you, always coming after you. Like, I don't know, like the Rams are more on offense or, and with Jared Goff back there, almost like the screen villain, like Ghostface, where they can trip and stumble and all that. It's like a bunch of high school kids. <laughs> so like, you know, sometimes it's terrifying when they trick you and then, you know, I'm coming up with this on the spot. So, you know, it's, so it's, it's working. Here. Just go with it. Just yeah. go with so, it. So, you know, they can trick you with the two killers. Spoilers alert came out in the mid nineties, but you know, with the two killers, that's a run game, the pass game, you know, and sometimes they trip and fall and it doesn't look as terrifying, but I don't know. The Jets today were what plus seventeen. Like this is. I, I think I saw a tweet. This was the third biggest upset since the league on on like a spread point manner since uh, nineteen seventy eight when the league expanded to sixteen games. Jesus, third biggest upset. They were eleven to one, eleven to one dogs. Actually, the one one of the one that was tied for the, one of the biggest upsets was the Dolphins being the Patriots last year, which is kind of funny, but. I, I don't know. I am still banging the Rams drum. I think it was just a blemish, but it does show you that how easy, how thin of a line they run on offense. When it Jared Goff has to get in that drop back game, and if they just stub their toe a couple of times, it does not look pretty because then they have to get away from what they like to do and run in the run script and run the nakeds off of it. And when they just have to go into empty and drop it back, teams can game plan for them. When they look multiple in their base offense, it's hard to game plan for them. And so you're just holding on to your hats that they trip and, and trip and fall and do something stupid. But then when you can get them into empty and predictable, then defense can, can control the tempo. We talk about how the Rams can go on the quick. They can do they can do a long count. They can uh, change up the formation. They can jet sweep it. They can shift. But then all of a sudden when it's second and long or third and long and they have to get into that empty game where they run the screens and stuff, that's when the defense can can control what they want to get out of the ramps. That's what the dolphins did to them. So yeah, it's when they are such, they're running that thin line of, they can just look like shit on offense, but I still believe in this defense to keep them in every single game. So that's, that's why what I was going to ask you. Yep. That's why I'm still a big fan of the ramps. Cause I still think even though the jets, the jets did their, they actually did some nice stuff today. They were like a four strong with a back week. And it was like, Holy shit, what's going on with the jets offense right now. So that's, it's interesting. I want to ask you this, and this is a bigger question. I've watched a lot of the Rams defense over the last week or so. And when they do some of their stuff out of that too high look against the jet motion. And when the passing strength changes quickly, mm-hmm they'll lock that backside corner against some stuff and he'll abandon that side of the field and they can get late leaking stuff, whether it's the guy that goes in motion or a back. Have you noticed that? Because that happened a couple times today, including on the first touchdown that they threw to Tyron Johnson. Big time today. The intermediate defenders or linebackers and safeties had a lot of trouble today with jet motion. And that's a, a point you're just breaking out. They lock that defender. So it's basically creating a three by one or a four by one, however you want to look at it. But that locked defender is getting ran out of there. So like I said, the offense, the offense can dictate this. He runs out of there and then they just. So explain this. So when you, when you're in a yeah. three by one or a four by one formation, yeah. even if you're in cover four, cover three, yeah. The single corner on that side, even if you're in zone, yeah. is in man coverage on that receiver. So if that yeah. receiver clears out of that space all the way across the field, he follows him even though it's zone coverage. So now there's no one left over there. 
Yeah, and this is where kind of the modernization of rules. We picture cover three, spot drop, hey, just drop deep third, Madden, you know, that is just what you picture cover three. And that is sometimes what you do. But a lot of this, what it is in a normal coverage call is they just will lock onto that, that offensive player and they'll come inside. It might be an over route. It might be a slim route. It might be just anything coming in breaking, but they're locked onto it. It becomes a man thing. Yes. And so when that guy gets voided out of there, he is not sitting over the top when something comes in the flat. So when those linebackers with the jet motion don't communicate quickly and don't pass it off or don't run through, if they have that hesitation where they go, okay, what now? Then it's doomed. And it's if a play is like a third and three, it's done, done, because all they need is a four-yard game. It becomes a race. And that's actually what the Jets did a couple times. And that's a little worrisome. If the Jets are doing that and they're able to game plan against you, that is, you know, we've made, people have made a lot of jokes about the Jets offense for good reason. But I do think they... It was just a bad game script again for them, but it's that is what can happen is if they you're going to run the same coverages like the Jet, uh, the Rams like to run, it's great stuff, but you can be predictable and teams can game plan against you. You just have to be able to withstand that. The, the Over the last month and a half or so, I think since that Seattle game, the only times I've really seen take, teams take advantage of them in the passing game is with stuff like that. If you go back and you watch that Seahawks game, they had a couple different plays where they had Lockett leak out that to that side after mm-hmm. going in jet motion one vertically another time he's just sitting over there and they actually threw back to him because that side is vacated so that's something that's come up a decent yeah. amount and i'm sure it's something they can get fixed exactly. but it has happened several times here because of the way that their defense is structured so just something to keep an eye on better now than the wild exactly or, exactly yeah. but it, yeah i definitely noticed it because as I, like i was watching them so much and those are the plays that again they seem to have trouble with consistently all right Let's move on. We're not going to do who won the week this week because there's just too much to talk about with playoff implications. So when I was at the ringer, each year I used to do something near the end of the season called the wild card threat index. And I don't write anymore or as often anymore. So we're going to have to do it on the podcast now. The thought behind this is you look at the teams that are going to be in the wild card or in the hunt for the wild card at this point in each conference. And think about who has the best chance of winning one to two games. So among the wildcard teams in both conferences, who has the best shot of making the final four? Similar to what the Titans did last year. So if you're looking at the NFC, and this is going to allow us to hit on a lot of the big games that happened today. Among the NFC wildcard hopefuls, and I'm putting Washington in there as an honorary wildcard, <laughs> even though they're supposed they're going to win the division possibly. Out of the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Rams... And Washington, in your opinion, who has the best chance among that group to win two playoff games? I'm st- I just spilled out my thoughts on them, but I'm still. I know you are. Yeah, I know. I know so you are. I, I yeah. I just did. I did like a Jeopardy answer right there. I just you know <laughs> already already answered it, so we're good. <laughs> but no, just like I said before, I trust that defense. I trust them adjust all that stuff. I just stated about showing some blemishes i trust that staff to adjust because i've seen teams take advantage of them a little bit and they shore it up a week later and that that's a sign of a good staff and at least knowing again no a good well-coached st- uh, team or unit they know where their weaknesses are and hopefully they adjust and keep adjusting and i've seen mcveigh adjust on offense and sometimes it's not gonna it doesn't look like you know especially 2017 but you know or it's it still there's some good stuff they they 2018 too it's like He's going to know what they are. And I think that once they get into the playoffs and it's like, okay, he has film out there. He's going to go, no, hey, there's nothing left left to lose. Okay, nothing else that we can hide or we're going to throw everything out there. We're going to throw the kitchen sink out there. And I think that's what he's going to do. So I think they could make a run like that. 
I tend to agree just based on the way their defense can play and the way that it has all year. The Bucks aren't in that conversation to you. Where did I mean today was one of those games where it looked like at halftime like this was coming off the rails and it's like yeah. they're getting blown out by the Falcons like what the hell was happening? Things got right in the second half, but I'll admit as somebody who thinks that that team still has a puncher's chance in a lot of games just by virtue of the talent that they have on offense and some of the things that they do on defense. Just a strange game. I mean, they're just getting roasted on some of these plays. And I, I would love for you to explain this to me. The amount of cushion that they were playing with in the first half on some of these play action throws where it looks like cover three and they're giving them like 15 yards of cushion and they're just eating it up underneath. It's like, what is happening right now? And why are you playing this far off of Russell Gage? We we talk. <laughs> you said uh, that was a great delivery of the name Russell Gage, <laughs> but uh, but but with with I actually like Russell Gage. He did some nice oh stuff. Oh my today. god, he did his touchdown on the out route. Like him and Calvin Ridley, like they timed that that timing on it was beautiful. Yeah, uh, the Bucks are kind of like just a big heavyweight puncher. They are just going to throw their haymakers at you. You know what you're getting with them. That's it's George Foreman in the seventies. Like they're they're just going to come at you, just throwing haymaker, throwing haymaker, throwing haymaker, and it's like okay, you have to adjust for it. And you know, with that, and especially early on, they're getting beat in man stuff. And like one thing I noticed was like watching some of the old old Cardinal stuff when Arians was there was. He just kept going like every drive, it seemed like, hey, we're going to feature John Brown here. But this back when they were Cardinals. Hey, we're going to run duo three straight times here. Hey, we're going to do this this time here. And it was just like, that's what it seems like. It seems like every drive they're going to go, we're going to hit in this package of plays and we're going to do it. We're going to hit Gronk in this drive. And everything with with what they do on defense too, we talk about offense so much. What they're going to run on defense too on the Bulls is they're going to be in man. And their zone stuff is not so much matchy. It is spot trap. So what you're saying with them being so far off the ball, a good offense, and actually what the Atlanta was doing today, they're running the crap out of play action. So they're getting their yes, linebackers going up and down. Tons of play action. Tons of play action. Like seven on the first drive, it felt like. But when you they can keep them in base personnel, when Bulls is in base personnel, he's going to create a five-man front and either run man or spot drop zone. So I think what was happening is what the Falcons were doing is running some play action off of it or catching them in the blitz. And these corners are just playing off and off and off and off. And they just took advantage and they had guys that could take advantage of it. So I think that's what was happening a bit. They're a little predictable. They are trusting that their guys are going to make plays. That is truly what they do as an entire team. It's like, hey, we have better talent than you and we're going to let them shine. We're not going to really adjust for better or for worse because but we're just going to roll the ball out there and just let our guys go make plays. It felt like in the second half, the Bucks did a pretty decent job of reacting to a lot of the pressure stuff the Falcons were doing in the first half. Getting the ball quick. There are a couple screens. The one just like quick screen to Brown. Godwin yeah. had another one. I think they did a decent job of that. I also feel like the Falcons just weren't bringing as much heat in the second half, though. Yeah. Which, when they had some good stuff working, early on. Yeah. Yes. And, it, and I really, there were a couple plays where it still feels like the Bucs don't have good answers to pressure at times, which we're in yep. week 15, and I don't understand how that's the case. <laughs> but there were a couple where it just worked out well. There was a five-man pressure where Deion Jones had the sack, and it looked like Brown was coming open as the replacer on the, on the hot, and it Brady was just late on it. And it just some of that stuff happens. But there were a couple times, the long Brown touchdown, Gronk was in as an extra body in pass protection, <laughs> which you have the greatest tight end of all time now as a blocking tight end on passing downs, which was fun. Jermaine Gresham roll, baby. That's what we're going to do. But it did feel like when they could protect today, they were making plays. And I think that's what ha- was happening in the second half. And on the flip side of that, they were sending more pressure in the second half against Atlanta. 
Devin White made three. I mean, sometimes you look at three sacks for a linebacker. You're like, oh, those were cheap. He had two huge sacks. The yeah. one down on third down after essentially Antoine Winfield saved the game in the back corner of the end zone with mm-hmm. that tip away and the throw to Ridley. I was playing against him in fantasy. My heart jumped out of my throat on that play. And then the one he had <laughs> on the other side to seal another drive is one of the most impressive athletic plays I've ever seen a linebacker make as a pass rusher. Did you see this? He blitzed into the B gap and almost like jump cut like LaShawn McCoy into the A gap and then just hit it for a huge sack. And like you said, these are just plays that they're trusting their talented guys to make. And sometimes they just have enough talent. Yeah. They're just going to roll the ball out there and go, okay, we're going to just outplay you. Just that's we're going to out execute you no matter what we're going to have. I have the plane out there. It is. It's they're the heavyweight puncher. So it's, it's, if you think they can land enough knockout shots in the playoffs, you can bet on them, but it's, I've just seen some of the bad where they face a good team that just goes, yeah, we know what you're going to do. We're not going to have a limit. I, I, but like even today though, like the, they run the field out. It looked good though. Like Brady hit the field out to Mike Evans for a nice like 12 yard gain. And it's like, Oh, those are the ones that we've talked about that have been pick sixes before. So yeah. it's like, okay, is that Falcons or is that the Bucks? you know, coming along and actually getting it? So, uh, you know, I, the run game is a little limited, like what they can do right now. Uh, you know, they pass protect pretty well. They do some funky stuff with how they move the center, but they can get away with it. But it's, it's they just wait, the Falcons did a good job of wasting the center a couple of oh, different yeah. times today. They when he's just standing up. there doing nothing. Yep. Yep. They kept mugging them up and then bringing a the guy from the field. And, you know, the Bucks adjusted, though. So it's not actually a good coaching staff. I cracked the jokes, but, you know, at least they adjusted <laughs> up front like <laughs> a little bit right there. So what about Arizona to you? 33 to 26 today over the Eagles. Kyler Murray, 27 to 36 for 406 through the air, which I don't know if that's more a product of the Eagles having no defensive backs or the Cardinals passing game showing some signs of life. I can't really decide at this point. I think it's more Eagles not be able to cover a soul. I've seen them play stack against like the the Packers and it just looks silly. That looks like day one install, just in coverage unit. But oh my god! But there was a sequence where Kyler scrambled for like a, it was a it was a two minute drive going into the half. He like scrambles for a five yard gain after he hangs in a pocket, scrambles for a five yard gain, gets down, almost gets his head taken off, which happens to him like twenty times a game. But he's so good at it, so it doesn't matter. But then the next play, there's confusion because they're trying to get the ball down. They must have had one timeout or no timeouts. And they're spiking it. The receivers are communicating. The ball snaps early. The center, as soon as he grabs the ball, snaps it. It goes over Kyler's head. And it's a fumble. You know, there's a flag, fumble, ball clock, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. And I was just thinking, I was like, poor Kyler, man. Like, he is just like, you know, he's just, it's just him and just the stooges out there sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, he does some great stuff. And that's why I, I kind of hedge against the Cardinals a little bit. Cause it's just, I see all these incredible things he does, like the touchdown to Larry. I mean, Larry, Larry makes a Fitzgerald makes oh, a yeah. great touchdown, but the ball placement was like, yeah, one in a hundred. And, you know, Kyler does that though. He does it every game and now he's getting healthy again. So as, as far as you can think, Kyler can take him, but I just, I don't know. It's just the Eagles, man. It's just, I've seen that the Eagles are not anything to write home about right now. <laughs> I tend to agree. I mean, you saw just the plays that Hopkins made down the left sideline against, I don't know, whoever was trying to guard him, whatever, like... <laughs> If practice squad defensive back was trying to cover the best wide receiver in the NFL was having a oh hard time. He God. came down with like three catches today where it's just like, that's stupid. The touchdown, and he was holding the ball like a tennis ball. Like it was nothing. Uh, it, was, it looked like, like a toy. It, it, was, it was so silly. And the it was like one Shaq that it, with a basketball. Like, you know, like we're, or like you see any of those centers with a basketball yes. where it just looks like a little like softball in their hand. 
which is funny because DeAndre Hopkins played basketball and I can't imagine that he was a very good free throw shooter with how big his hands are, but apparently he was pretty good at basketball. And so he's always deceptively short. So he's like six one. Yeah, so, so true. So, be, it's so, true. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, w- before we move on from that game, is it okay if I throw some cold water on the Jalen Hurts thing? Is that, o- is that all right with you? Yeah, go for like, it. I mean, so Jalen Hurts. Not so fast, my friends. That's, <laughs> that's what you're doing. So Jalen Hurts today goes 24 of 44 for 338. And sick, he was sacked six times. Okay, Oof. he threw three touchdowns, which is great. He added sixty-three yards on the ground. It's it, that element is nice. He had a rushing touchdown, which he really did give them some stuff in high leverage moments. But that's what he's doing. He's giving them more life because he's able to provide answers when shit breaks down. He's a good scrambler. He's making plays on the move. That's something this Eagles offense needed. Because of how stagnant everything was under Carson Wentz. That stuff is really nice. But I'm not chalking this up as like Jalen Hurts is going to be a star. He's done some nice stuff. And that's really fun for an Eagles team that absolutely needed something. Yeah. But I'm going to need to see a lot more of Jalen Hurts playing quarterback for him. It's like this guy is the future. No questions asked. The Eagles are fine. Like he had his best touch, the longest passing touchdown he had today was a 32 year old give up screen to Kez Watkins. And then he had another give up screen that went for 25 and he scrambled for a fourth and six. This is a guy who had a uh, intentional grounding in the end zone for a safety. He fumbled inside his own 20 with the game on the line. He's really fun. I've been impressed with some of the stuff he's done, but I'm not in this place where it's like, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts is definitely going to be a a decade long starter for the Eagles. Don't worry about it. Quarterback is fine. Like, I'm excited for what he's going to look like down the road. I'm excited to keep watching him again. He has done things for them. They absolutely needed, but I don't think this is a given by any stretch. Yeah, you don't really see him. I mean, throwing outbreakers to the field and go balls. And like you'll see, well, great when he's thrown those. And uh, But he's been late on some. But until he does a little more than that, uh, you want to just see a little bit more. And shorter, you know, just a little sidebar, like shorter and younger guys actually will throw balls more to the sidelines a little better as long as it's not like, you know, like a mm-hmm. throw that requires arm strength. It's because they could see it actually come open. So that's why you really want to see guys hitting intermediate and benders and all that kind of things because they trust the things they can open they can see stuff open up in front of them so but like you know Hertz doesn't do that yet and you know it's he has a lot of starts under his belt so he has to start progressing to that it's nice like you said it's nice it's different it's they he can come off the first read and so as opposed to Wentz running into the back of his his guard in front of him Hertz is making a play and you know out running an angle and creating a first down he's dynamic we you know Wentz is big and he's fairly athletic you know but Hertz is athletic athletic you know and he can actually He's twitchy. He's making yeah. plays. He's making guys miss. Yes. And that's great. And I and I think that by all accounts, he's a really good guy and like he has yeah. the right attitude and all this stuff. I want him to be successful. I'm I'm rooting for Correct. the guy. Correct. I just think that we are like 10 steps away from Jalen Hurts being yeah. an established starting quarterback in the NFL. Right now, he is a fun player. It honestly, what he's doing right now isn't that different to me. That a lot of the stuff that Kyler Murray did last year, yeah. where it's like, oh yeah, this is fun. This is a guy who absolutely can go out there and make plays, but I don't know if he's a quarterback yet for the long yeah. term. And I think that that's okay, and I think it should be okay. Kyler just had that 
it factor right away. You can tell like, yes. he's he's hitting the deep balls like it's nobody's business, and then he's hitting intermediate throws. He's making everyone around a better. Like last year, that receiving core was pretty similar to what the Eagles are working with right now, and he's making it work. And you know, Kyler also has that just that little possess. Like he doesn't take the hits. Like you know, he has that like almost Wayne Gretzky like abil- ability to like absorb hits and avoid hits. Like you know, but that just shows he has that like just that star quality and hurts, you know, is just, it just seems there's just so much more to be seen with him. And it's, you know, it's two starts. So like I have to see a lot more before I even say anything about him. All right, let's get to the AFC wildcard thread right index here. If you're looking at the AFC wildcard teams right now, and again, we're going to throw an honorary one in there. So if the four teams are the Browns, the Colts, the Ravens, and the Dolphins, in your opinion, which of those teams has the best chance to win two playoff games? I'm going with the Colts. And I think we we touched on it a little bit earlier. And, you know, it's it's a little bit of a, a little cop out early. You know, they could actually be borderline, you know, making the win as a, as a, like a division winner. They have a deep roster in the sense that they can hurt you in a lot of ways. They might not have the star power that some of these other contenders have. and But they have DeForest Buckner's freaking unfreaking believable and he is what they is unlocked what they want to do playing too high stuff but they did actually last week run a little bit of single high stuff so that was actually kind of cool so i was like okay they're throwing in there there's knowing what they are and they're throwing in some change-ups they know they can adapt a little bit but they'll sit in this two high stuff and run games with Danico altry and altry and and deforest buckner and just creates havoc like when you're making i Deshaun love them walk. having to back too he is yes. just like, like yes. bad out of hell, getting shot out of a cannon at times to his own detriment today because he's letting Deshaun yeah. Watson escape the pocket a couple times. But he, again, they just have so many guys where they're just havoc creators. You just drop them into the equation. And it's like, we're going to fuck shit up here. And yeah. I really like it. I, I, I love the collection of guys they have to do that. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think you saw some of that no-name supporting cast today yep. really step up. I've always liked Zach Pascal. I just think he's a fun player. And him going to get that 50-50 ball in traffic was a great play. And then the touchdown he scored the first one. I want to say it was either man or quarters. Down there, it looks it looked essentially the yeah, same. Same outside, yeah. And so he, the guy's an outside leverage and he runs a little shake route with like a really nice little head fake to cut back inside for the touchdown. Rivers puts it on the money. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's a really nice route. It's a really mm-hmm. nice play. And they just have so many guys capable of that. And the game was close today. You know, obviously that the Texans had a chance at the end. I went back and watched that start to finish again. That's just Deshaun making plays. I mean, there was the one broken play, the the one broken coverage where Hanson came all the way back across and it was a walk-in. But for the most part, this is Deshaun outside the pocket, Deshaun just hitting stuff late. There was nothing wrong about the Colts' performance. They also didn't have that many possessions. I thought that Rivers played fine. I thought that overall, this is the Colts team that we're used to. Deshaun was just, again, just pulling stuff out like very few guys can. Yeah, like we just said, poor Kyler, like poor Deshaun, even more so. And even even like we say no name, but like the Colts have as a role player, as a super role player, like Justin Houston, like that's a nice who's playing well. So they like that's really nice to have up front what they want to do. You know, they have their linebacker pieces, their DBs know what they are. And, you know, it's looking good. Something that's been a question mark earlier. The run game looks a lot better. I was about to bring it up. Yeah. Run game looks a ton better. And your boy. 
uh, what splits on I'm Jonathan Wisconsin. Taylor. Oh yeah, he uh, his little touchdown. He had some sweet feet on that one. He made JJ came. It was a little Wisconsin Wisconsin crime. JJ came down and <laughs> he cut and got he got north. He's a and you forget just how big he is because he is so and explosive, fluid. Yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook is the fastest accelerator, but like John, like Jonathan Taylor, it's so crazy because he's two thirty, being able to just, just get to zero to ten so quickly. Um, but like the Colts, like you said, they didn't have a lot of possessions. Everything they do is just so tidy, you know, like defensively, they're just yep. tidy on defense. Offensively, especially when Phillip Rivers doesn't have any of those brain fart moments, you know, he's nice and tidy what they do on offense, especially with the run game, looking how they, how they did. And it's almost like how the Pistons were the, in the, the mid two thousands when they won the, the championship and all that. But, you know, I'm not saying like, Oh, Colts are going to win a championship or anything, but it's, you know, but like just how that team would just beat you with a different player every night and just about death by a different guy every single night. That's kind of what the Colts are as a whole team. Even saying that T Y Hilton's playing better. It's just a fun, fun team to watch because they have so many likable players that are tough, fun, dynamic, and also like very intelligent players. You can tell, and it's, it's a cool team to watch. I totally agree. They, they play the right way. You know, I just, that's why I enjoy watching them play. And speaking of that, I'm sure did you the throw to T.Y. Hilton to seal the game? That's gotta be like just football heroin to you. I mean, uh, against uh, too high coverage, you're he's in the slot, he runs just straight up the middle of the field. Linebacker can't keep up with him. Rivers just puts it right in there for a monster gain and to win the game. I was like, that is a perfect bit of quarterbacking and a perfect call in that situation. It's one of those things that like, yeah, thank you. Thank you for knowing that that's like just mainlining for me. Like, you know, because that is just <laughs> because, yeah, it was right down the pipe. And that's why it might as well be for me. It was just that's one of those throws that like I because I, I don't want to sound like a snooty like, oh, got inside baseball. But it's like, you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, that that's a good throw right there. Like any any like seam bender throw like. Those are ones that like quarterbacks will go, oh, that's nice because you really have to trust it. That's like the field out throws. A, a field comeback can really get that reaction. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Down the pipe versus like a, a running linebacker with his back turned. That, that's going to always get like a nice elicit response from me. <laughs> and it the Colts keep doing this to me. The Colts keep doing it. They run the ball on third and long. They pick up blitzes. Like, yeah, they're just going to be my little like <laughs> Again, dirty they play yeah. the right way. It's yeah. a team we like to watch. I know. The Athletic Football Show is a pro Colts podcast. This is a pro Colts show is hard to say. Okay. Let's get to a couple of these other AFC teams, though, because even if the Colts are your answer, I want to talk about the chances a couple of these other teams have. We just out on the Dolphins at this point, like fun story, maybe next year, but two games. I'm not sure the offense is good enough for them to win two games. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to like black out my memory that the Patriots defense isn't all that this year, especially with us. <laughs> you know, yes. like what they did today. They played better lately. They have. But they're still they're, not great. Yeah, they're so average probably at best. But, you know, like Jerem Smythe. Like tight end, all for the Dolphins. Like, what the hell? Like, where did that come from? Like, he had a couple of nice plays today that like <laughs> it really perked me up. Perked me up that I want to give him a shout out. Yeah, uh, Tua just. I mean, he really does an awesome. He really just reminds me of Mark Brunel, and it's just crazy. And like, he is just so efficient. You lack just imagination. The, that's just a lefty thing. I know, and that's why I hate about it. Like, I hate it. That's why I've held that comparison. If you can come 15. up with a right-handed quarterback comparison for Tua, then I'll be impressed. Like Hawaiian Alex Smith, but like it's, <laughs> but, but it's 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 one of those like he is just so efficient in his movements. So we, we've talked about it. like he had some great 
times where he made a pass rusher, either a blitzer or a guy that beat a lineman, and he just stepped up and out and delivered a throw. He had like back to back on a drive where he hit a fourth down, and it was it was when he had the scramble touchdown because there was he had the fourth four, it was like a fourth and eight they went for it, which is awesome. Way to go, Dolphins, king of the nerds. And then you know <laughs> then they had the scramble TD late, and that's what it was like. Oh, I was like, oh man, he really does some nice things, and. They split zone was the play of the day today. That was like, but that's what Dolphins ran the crap out of it. Robert Hunt, he had a play where he, uh, a split zone where he blew off Winovich like three yards, and it also gave like a side chicken wing to like a DB that came down that like went a couple yards. And I was like, holy crap, where did that come from? So doing some fun things, but I just think they're a year away. But it is cool seeing how well coached they are, and I think remember uh, remember the Rams and McVay's first year in 2017. Yes, when. And it was like, oh, they do some fun things. Say, okay, I can see a little. I can see that they might be pretty good. That's what they feel like. I'm not saying, oh, they might make it's a good comparison, the but that's what it feels like. It's like they do nice things. They have some real nice players. They look like they're putting it together. They look like they're really well coached. Okay, let's see with another offseason, with a real offseason, what they look like next year. I feel the exact same way. And right now, they only have a 31% chance to make the playoffs, according to 538. And that's because of the schedule they're about to play. They have the Raiders and the Bills over their next two. Yeah. The Raiders, obviously, on the downside, but they're still a decent team. And the Bills, even if they have the division locked up, could potentially still be playing for the number two seed, which would allow them to play the worst wildcard team, which, ironically, if they keep if they win out, would be the Dolphins. So <laughs> I think I'm on the exact same page. I think next year... I, they probably won't make it based on the math and the team we're about to talk about next. Mm-hmm. But next season, I'm very excited to see where they're going. I think we love the direction, all of that. The team that is slated to overtake them in the playoff race because of their schedule and the way they're playing right now is the Baltimore Ravens. Are Do you feel any more confident about the Ravens now than you did a month ago, considering how poorly their offense had been playing and the way that they've looked in spurts here over their last couple games? One thing that's making me feel better is they're giving the ball to J.K. Dobbins a little more. That makes me feel a little better, <laughs> but it's the same question marks for me uh, as a whole team. Yeah. Defense, I still think, can hang with anybody because they can live in man coverage and blitz and live in it. Like Not just, oh, we can you know do it with that with some other stuff we do. It's like, no, they can do it every single snap and and create plays, not just actually like just hold on for dear life. Offensively, I just think until – I see more out of that passing game unless they're holding it for the playoffs, but they're not in position to do that. That's not, it's just still have that question marks, that drop back passing game. They have to stay out of it. Don't think they have the consistent receiving threats they need. Um, but Lamar is playing out of his freaking mind. and It's fun to see him play out of his freaking mind. Okay. So, here's my, here's, here's my challenge to you. Yeah. Why are you more confident about the Rams chances to win two playoff games than you are about the Ravens chances to win two playoff games right now? Do you think the Rams defense is that much better than Baltimore's defense? And you think that the Ravens passing game is that much more questionable than the Rams? Just the conferences they play in. <laughs> that's it. That's I, the reason. Okay. That's, that's my what, biggest that was my reason. Question. If, okay. if the Rams were in the AFC, I'd have maybe a little more question marks with them. I, I just think that they can get away with more. Uh, what's going on in the NFC? The NFC to me is still the big 12. That is still the team. That is just how I look at it. It's any team could beat any team at any time. I think the AFC is more just it's like the SEC or or, or a big good Big Ten year. I don't want to piss off any college fans. You know, can't do that. But you know, it just uh, it just looks like they just have a lot more heavy hitters. So I think they have enough more teams that can take advantage of your blemishes. So I think that's totally fair if you actually look at the seating. So if the Rams do end up with the five seed in the NFC, which they have right now because they have the tiebreaker over Tampa Bay. They would play Washington or the NFC East winner in the first round, which they absolutely can win that game. 
And but potentially, if they're the lowest remaining seed after that first that first round, they could have to play the Packers in Lambeau. So that would be tough. But so going going to the AFC, the Ravens do end up getting that number seven spot. They would play against the Steelers in the first round. I mean, yeah. So I mean, they could win that game. They absolutely, I think, could beat could beat Pittsburgh with the way Pittsburgh's playing right now. But then they would have to play against the Chiefs. Chiefs, and yeah. That's, so that's that's the thing. So that's I think that's fair. I think the Rams beating Washington and the Green Bay is more realistic than Baltimore beating Pittsburgh and the Chiefs. So I think Ram- that you're right. Rams match up pretty well against the Packers too. Just it I, actually I, would be a fun I, game I, to watch. I'm getting way ahead, of it, way way ahead because it's football any given Sunday or Saturday or Friday at this point. But yeah, that's but that's it's gonna be fun. <laughs> All right, before we move on. We should talk about the Browns. The Browns fans are going to be mad. So after the win tonight, it looks like they're going to be in. Yeah. I also tend to think that the Browns are a year away. Yeah. I feel like their secondary getting healthier, some tweaks to their personnel on defense because they don't have a lot of the guys they'd want to to run some of the stuff they want to under Joe Woods. I feel like the offense is very good. It is set up for Baker's success. I actually think he threw the ball extremely well tonight. I was really yeah. impressed. But I still feel like they're a team that's going to struggle to fight left-handed if forced out of that play-action boot style play that they want to have. It's the Titans from last year, but without maybe the peace defense to to generate havoc and create yeah. turnovers and make let them make a run that they want to. But you know, every week they're kind of making me bigger, bigger fan. I've hedged and hedged less and less each week I watch them. They they do a, nice, a lot of nice stuff, and Baker's playing better in what they ask him to do and trying not to be the hero as much. Um, but yeah, it's I still think they are your way. I think they just that defense can't live in a firefight that they need to they they need to be in. I think of how the playoffs are going to run, how they are. They remind me of the 2017 Rams in a way. Okay. Where you have this offense that just clicks from the start. You're putting your quarterback, your former number one pick quarterback who was struggling. You now have gotten everything you possibly can out of him. The defense is a question mark for them. And I think that in year two, if you can add some pieces and things come together and everything else, we could really see them take off. But I just, if they have to be down 14 or you're asking Baker yeah. to throw a lot, a team that's going to bring a lot of heat in very defined passing situations. I think they would really struggle in a game like that. That's a pretty nice comparison with, with, with miles Garrett and Aaron Donald too. You know, that's not a bad. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Keep on (laughs) doing it. Yeah. Let's keep doing it. So before we move on, I want to ask you, because you said the Titans last year in your mind, what is different about this Titans team compared to last, last year's Titans team? Because the defense is appreciably worse. Yeah. But do you think that the offense has improved enough and has has kind of built more answers into what they do for them to be just a more beefed up version of the team we saw in last year's playoffs because that's how I think of them that's right exactly now. it I think the defense is a little worse and I think the offense is a lot better 
Uh, I have more faith in Tannehill. Um, They're the number one team in the league in EPA per play now, by the way. And they look like it. There's never once where I watch them and I'm like, what the, you know, what the hell are they doing? It's like every game, they look like a competent, good offense, which is saying something. It's hard to look good every single week. You know, shit happens in the NFL where you just have a bad half, bad quarter, bad couple series. And they just, they might have a bad series, maybe a couple where they have to get in the third and long situation, but they look so good. I mean, Corey Davis is keeps coming on. I, oh my god, I, I'm gonna have to mention him every week. He he's the new pit with old Pittsburgh Steelers joke is now me talking about Corey Davis, and and just <laughs> but just I mean the whole team is great. AJ Brown's a monster. Tannehill, but it really is what Tannehill is doing. What they they know what they are. They're running duo now more. We talked about how they're running split zone early in the year. Now they're running duo. So it's like oh my god, they just keep adding to what they can do. And then defensively, they're kind of a wild card. You know, it's you know we're talking about wildcard teams or, you know, or wildcard round. It's, they kind of are though on defense. It's not, I know what peace was more peace, maybe had more of a um, resume that I can reflect on that. I was like, okay. He also, they, they, there was those haymakers that he threw on third down. That's yeah. the biggest thing is that the volatility that he brought that yeah. defense with some of the pressure shit that he did. They yeah. just don't have that this year. They don't even have that. Like every once in a while, we're going to, scare you into a dirting a ball on third and six because you don't have an answer to what we're doing even that aspect is gone and i think that's you've seen the cracks in what they were last year personnel wise so the titans are obviously playing as well as any offense in the league i want to talk about two other offenses that are certainly in that conversation so let's get to would you rather like you mentioned at the top of the show we had our first slate of saturday games and i didn't want to forget about those so the Bills and the Packers have been two of the best offenses in the NFL to this point in the season. They've both been fantastic. They do it in different ways. Their quarterbacks do it in different ways. So I wanted to ask you, if you were game planning for these two offenses, who would you rather play against right now? The Packers <laughs> or the Bills? Freaking neither. I would rather play against the Bills just because I, 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 I think just, you don't believe in Josh Allen. It's fine. It's fine. No, you, you can just God, admit it. No, it's fine. You just hate I, Josh I, Allen. It's all right. I've been it's a, all good. I've been bigger fan of Josh Allen than most. I went on a limb for you, Josh, but no, it's, it's, I think just what the Packers are doing every single week with the run game, not only with Aaron freaking Rogers back there on fire and Devonte Adams and him mind melding and, Tanya and coming along and just other pieces coming along. But also I just think it's Aaron Rodgers and I know they know what they are and they're just clicking on all cylinders and as great as the bills look. And I, I mean, we, we've talked about a huge fan of what they're doing, what Dable's doing and just what the whole offense is doing and how they have so much variability every week. And that's really fun. Packers do too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I also think that they can have those moments where it, it does look convoluted and it looks like when you do, that much sometimes you need stuff that you can rely on to get you those easy six seven eight yards it's iso ball basically you know not maybe in the sense of what scheme you're running but at least you have something that you're like hey this guy's going to get us a bucket this is what's going to happen in a tough situation that's what happens in the playoffs or just something like that i just think the packers are more because i know that or maybe not i don't know but they look like they can have every week they can attack you in a different way and they're going to do it in that way. Like they can get to it easier and they have a higher bar and even a higher ceiling when they're on fire. I also would rather play against the bills, but it's close. It is. And the reason that I would pick the bills is that when things get tight in the playoffs, I have faith in Rogers 
to get the Packers in and make the right play. I feel like what a lot, a lot of what the Bills are doing right now, and you're seeing it consistently week after week, Allen is able to make the great play. Yeah. He has answers. It's just in a slightly different way. He's pulling answers out. He's making plays. He's scrambling when he needs to. His overall just bundle of traits is taking over. He's playing the game at an extremely high level right now. I don't want to take that away from him. I don't want to make it seem like this is scattershot and he's lucking into this stuff because he's talented. I do think he's playing quarterback in a way that I never expected him to play quarterback and a lot of people didn't. But I just feel like... Yes, but but he's he is in control of what they're doing on offense. Rodgers is in control of everything. <laughs> Just yeah. it's the communication pre-snap. Again, getting them in the right run plays as often as he's getting them. All the RPOs they're doing, his understanding of, all right, you're in this box count, I'm doing this. You're doing this, I'm doing that. His ability to just react mentally to some of this stuff before it even happens. I just trust them to be in the right play for the right look all of the time. I think that the Bills are also finding answers. I just think that it's really Allen taking over and his athleticism and talent taking over. I just trust, I I think that's a little less reliable than what Rodgers gives you. And that's okay. It's okay for Josh Allen to be less reliable at this point in his career than Aaron Rodgers. I feel like game planning for the Bills is a pain in the ass right now because of all the things that Josh Allen can do and just the overall skill position talent that they have. Diggs is playing out of his mind. What he is giving them is so different than what I thought he would give them because of all the underneath stuff that he's just eating on because Mm -hmm. teams are worried about him beating over the top. And everything Beasley's doing underneath, they have a ton of answers built into the structure of their offense, and Allen is able to find them. I think that Rodgers creates the structure of his offense to a certain degree, and I think that's why they're a little bit more malleable and a little bit more nimble than what the Bills are going to be able to do. Their best strength, because I'll reiterate something we said real early on when we're talking about the Chiefs and the Saints, is you know what you need to beat the Chiefs is those dice throws and the bills have it they have Mm -hmm. they can they can keep doing it keep doing it it might not look as pretty like you said it's more josh allen relied but they can do it it's not every team has that in that in their back pocket where they can just go into that mode where their hair is on fire so it's their greatest strength you know might be their little their biggest weakness at times but right now it's just they're playing on fire on offense and they can keep riding it if josh allen's playing this way I can't remember the exact structure of the play. It was a couple days ago now, but the throw he had in between the numbers for the touchdown, it looked easy in the moment. And then you watch the replay. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) And he's making two or three of those a week where in the moment, it looks so simple that you're just like, oh, that was fine. That guy was open. And then you watch it from different angles. It's like, no, not at all. That is yeah. a ball he should not be able to fit in there. And he's doing it with ease. He is really fun to watch right now. But there's a difference between being exciting and being somebody that I was going to bet that I would bet on against a team like the Chiefs. And I, just, I think that right now it's still the Packers, even if it's a lot closer than I thought I would, that I thought it would be. All right. Let's stick in the NFC North and just keep talking about things that make me sad for this week's secret sauce. Not today, my good man. I'm feeling saucy. So the Bears won today. They won 33 to 27. They're now seven and seven. They've won a couple <laughs> games in a row. They should have beaten the Lions and didn't. Over the past three games, Mitchell Trubisky is 10th 
among quarterbacks in EPA per play. Today, Mitchell Trubisky was 15 of 21 for 202 yards and a touchdown. Not the greatest stat line in the world, but efficient quarterbacking against a depleted Vikings defense, but, you know, for the most part, an NFL defense. David Montgomery had 146 yards rushing today. The Bears have tapped into something with their offense. I don't know how far I want to take this, but it is real for this reason. They are doing things to help out their guys on offense, whether it's the quarterback, the guys up front, and the back in ways they did not for a huge chunk of this year. They are building this plane out of outside zone and boot the same way that we have seen teams do for the last two decades. And I did not believe in their ability to change the offense and lean into this stuff midstream in the way that they have. But they're doing it and it is working right now. Early, God, you, you sound just thrilled when you're t- r- r- doing all those stats. I just don't, and I'm just confused. Because why just they confused. bench him? We were on this show. We were they benched him against Atlanta, and you asked me like, why did they bench him? And I just remember being like, I, I don't know. Like, and we were like, yeah, we don't know. Early on the season when they were winning, because they, they stormed out of the gates on offense, they were doing exactly doing this what they're stuff. doing. They're doing this, and it seems to be working. They're running slot play action, two man, three man play action concepts, bootlegs, and a varied run game that looks great right now. And they're using and they Trubisky gives them an element because he's a tough, you know, athletic runner that. It could raise their bar a little bit where they can get these cheap five, seven yard runs, high variance run or uh, uh, high leverage runs. And it's the same thing that the t- Saints have been doing the last few weeks with Taysom Hill, what Titans did with Tannehill, but they do it on a super high level. But it's the same exact stuff. And they run a good split zone. They have a good run game. Trubisky gets some races their bar a little bit and they run this simple pass game and it works and they play great defense and they got away from it. They benched him in Atlanta. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just as confused as you are. I'm not even a Bears fan. <laughs> When I watched them today, it was like watching a Kyle Shanahan game from 2019. Yeah. I mean, that's what it felt like. I mean, there were so many plays where you're just watching boot, just a flood concept to the other side, just a three-level flood, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was the one big completion to Mooney down the left sideline is just a vertical clear out with a deep over route. That's it. It's the same shit that McVay and Shanahan do all the time. It is... They're staples of those offenses. Shockingly, they help your quarterback. So why (laughs) it took this long for them to become the basis of the Bears offense, if this was even an option at any point, I'm very confused about. And you watch the run game, and I think it's a really reasonable question of why did the run game suck and why is it okay now? Part of that is the Vikings missing half of their front seven and Eric Kendrick's not playing and them not being very talented in that area in the first place. But I don't want to chalk all of it up to that. Go back, if you're you're a Bears fan or if you're anybody, go back and watch all of the Bears' explosive or even mildly successful runs in this game on pretty much every single one of them and on a lot of the big passing plays, you will see jet motion on almost every single one of them. And sometimes that was to get a guy in the flat very quickly on some of this boot stuff. But in the run game, based on the way that the Vikings play, you see two things. One, guys bailing out. It's taking a linebacker out of the box entirely with some of the things that they're doing. Two, on Montgomery's touchdown, the short one, for example, the Vikings move the front 
based on where the where the strength is. So when you go in jet motion, they're literally moving the front at the snap, which helps you get guys out of gaps. This is not rocket science. These are simple little things that offenses have been using for the last several years in order to help their offensive line and make their running game more efficient. Now the Bears are doing those things. It's just frustrating to watch an offense well-designed that puts its guys in positions to succeed and makes everything easier from the quarterback on down that wasn't doing it for a good chunk of the year. And the biggest question I have now is, what does this mean? And I don't know the answer to that because it feels like the offense is playing well enough where people might keep jobs and the staff might be back next year. And the way they're playing now, I think that's justifiable. But if that's the case, then who's going to be the quarterback? Because clearly Nick Foles isn't, can't do this stuff to the same level that Mitchell Trubisky can. He doesn't have the functional mobility that Trubisky does. So now what happens? I don't know the answer to that. It's just frustrating that the Bears ran this type of offense for the first couple games of the year. Trubisky was not very good in some stretches, but was mostly fine, much better better. than he had been. Yeah, he was better. And then they yank him, put Foles in, and run an offense that they can't run based on the offensive line talent that they have and the quarterback that they have. And then they go back to Trubisky, and they go back to a system that makes it easier on the quarterback. It's just really frustrating. It was like... You know, a team that has great defense wants to play like a ball control offense. They play like they should play how the Vikings want to play, like to a T, like how Mike Zimmer wants to play. And they're just doing tooth and nail. Filippo and all them on off and at the Bears there are just like, no, you can't make me. We, we're going to be different than running this this offense. <laughs> this, it's this so true. Run game. They're like, no, we are not that offense. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's not your fault. <laughs> That's why I'm so confused because obviously Bill Lazor is the one calling plays yeah. now, but there's a difference between changing the structure of your offense and having someone different pull the levers. Yeah, This is more than just the play caller. This is entire game plans and your yep. approach offensively. Formations were completely yes. different. All Again, all of the motion, all of the yeah. moving pieces. Yeah. Motion for motion's sake is... We, we've talked about this. Who cares? But when you're yeah. using it with you for reasons and practical reasons that have utility, it can help you and it is helping them. So the fact that this version of the offense was even a possibility at any point, it's extremely frustrating to know they didn't go <laughs> to it earlier. And I don't know what the end game is either this year or beyond. They potentially could have been in the playoffs today if the Cardinals had lost that game. Mm-hmm. The Bears absolutely could win out. They're playing the Jags, then they play the Packers. The Packers might not have anything to play for. The Cardinals lose one more game. The Bears are in the postseason if they went out. And now they have an offense that seems to be doing some stuff. The defense is still really talented. So I don't think they're going to be a threat to anybody. But I think this raises serious questions about what next offseason is going to look like and the choices that they're going to make. I'm not going to posit any suggestions right now because I'm just not in that mental or emotional space, but it has been a very weird, confusing, (laughs) tough to sift through few weeks here as a Bears fan. That is what I will say. It's the sneaky winner of the week, even though we didn't do a winner of the week. Actually, actually, is it though? Is it though? No, my real winner of the week, even though we didn't do my unofficial winner of the week is like is cinematography fans throughout throughout the country. 
We, I'm the, so glad you brought this Washington up. Seattle game. Oh my God. It was like Roger Deakins was working the sidelines. Like it was, that was fantastic. I was like, what is it? I, I was blinking. I actually blinked a couple of times going like, it just must be the clouds making it look, making it just look sharper or something. It, and I was, you know, I was watching it and uh, you said Roger Deakins. I made a Inuritu joke. Uh, it probably should have been an Emmanuel Lubeski joke because I know he shoots the movies, but that's, that's like one step further into like, I went for it movie nerd um, but it was awesome i i it loved it with the, the first for those who don't know if you didn't watch the seahawks game they were using a weird sony handheld camera yeah in the end zone and it legitimately looked like the revenant it was incredibly strange the way they were shooting this and it looked like a video game it was really really cool i fully support them doing this into the future even if it was a little weird and maybe a little bit uncomfortable because of how realistic it was yeah, it's <laughs> how realistic it was. That's that's so funny you say that because I, this is like a little movie tidbit. Tidbit is like when they made Finding Nemo. Like the big thing with Finding Nemo is Pixar made water look realistic. Yeah, they made it at first. They made it look too realistic. See, Uncanny and, Valley. Yeah, and it me- it messed up. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The human eye was couldn't handle it, and so they're like the human brain. So they're like they had to dumb it down so we could, our brains could handle it, and eyes could handle it. So that's what that's exactly what it was. It was like I looked at it and I was just like, this doesn't look right. Like just alarm bells going off. Like I was like, what am I? Did I like? Is this a commercial that they're tying in? Like, yeah, you just scored. Like they showed Deshaun Watson with the you know, the advanced stats stuff like doing, Oh yeah. 22%. I did that. It's like, that's what I that thought was it was. Much first, what it felt like, like, that's so what it true. felt like. Yeah. Uh. Any uncanny Valley stuff will always remind me of the 30 rock episode where Tracy's like, explain it to me in star Wars. And he's like, here we have Han Solo, a real person. He's like, he doesn't seem like he, he doesn't act like he cares, but he does. And he's like, and here we have a CGI stormtrooper. And then he's like, and here we have Tom Hanks in the Polar Express. He's like, I don't like it. Get me out of here. He's like, yeah, you're in the valley. You don't want to be there anymore. That's how it felt. I was with Tom Hanks in the Polar Express. And I actually came around to it at the end, but it was a little weird at first. All right. That is our diatribe on how the Seahawks Washington game was shot. That is all we have for this week. Next week is week 16. We're getting here near the end. Playoffs are coming. I'm very excited about it. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I would sincerely appreciate it. Please subscribe to The Athletic. Our buy one, get one offer is still going. You buy a subscription, you get a subscription. It's going all the way through the end of the year. It's a great gift for the sports fan in your life. If you're trying to think of last minute holiday gifts, please consider it. We will be back on Wednesday with a very special show with a couple very special guests. So please come back and check that out. Really appreciate your time. Talk to you guys later. This was the Athletic Football Show.